The Pilot's Advisor can help you chart out a course to land safely in retirement using his intimate knowledge of financial planning and the airline industry. It's time for the Pilot's Advisor Podcast. Hey, welcome to another edition of the Pilot's Advisor. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Ryan Fleming, and we've got a great show on the way for you today. It's going to take some time to just catch up with you, Ryan. Been a busy start to the summer so far this year, my friend. It's been crazy, Walter. I know we haven't got on here in a little while. I'm uh, currently transitioning from St. Louis to our final, I don't want to say our final resting place, but I, <laughs> I guess it's say, wait, care, Careful with the verbiage there, right? <laughs> <laughs> but no, we're, we're doing our final move to the Clemson, uh, South Carolina area on Lake Kiwi so we can get my daughter Jaden in high school as a freshman. So we're currently moving, which is never, ever fun. Um, the other side of that though, Walter, is that's going to put me on East Coast time, which means I'm going to have to get up Right, maybe you have to get up even earlier. Since yeah, Walter I have from... to get up earlier. Yes, the two-hour <laughs> difference now. Well, it's your, it's your fault. You went from North Carolina to Colorado. So. <laughs> That's okay. I uh, I still t- tend to keep East Coast hours most of the time, but I don't know. My hours are all over the place. Some days I'm working at five a.m. Some days I'm not getting rolling until ten a.m. and work later in the day. So. I don't know. It's interesting. You ever find yourself able to like really dive in and work well when the rest of the world is either sleeping still or already done with work? Like my most productive hours are like 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. and then 5 p.m. mountain time to like 7 p.m. when everybody no. else is out eating dinner on the East Coast or getting ready for bed. <laughs> I, I absolutely agree with that. You know, traveling international, flying airplanes, you just got to work when you got to work. But, uh, you know, they talk about that where you actually have a power hour. And I've found that if I wake up at like four in the morning, my brain starts going and I'm starting to think about all the things that I have to get done. I might as well just get out of bed and get rolling because I could have most of my day and all the things I need to knock out done by six o'clock before my family's even moving. That's really helpful. Uh, I think when you can at least get your day off to a good start like that and get that really good one hour of productivity before the rest of the day starts to slip away from you. So a lot on your plate then, both uh, on the personal side and, and professionally as well, keeping busy, I would imagine. Yeah, we just got done with the South Carolina Coaches for Charity event in Charleston, South Carolina, which was really, really awesome. Um, have you heard of it, Walter? I have not. No. What is that? Okay. So basically what it is, it's a charity event that is put on by the Fisher DeBerry Foundation, my old coach at the Air Force Academy. That's right. Yeah. But all the South Carolina coaches show up. So I was hanging out with the likes of uh, Dabo Sweeney, Shane Beamer, Marie Strayton, um, all the big coaches from South Carolina. And uh, it's a really great event. And the charity supports single family children uh, from single parent homes. So uh, getting kids that are a little bit less fortunate into sports camps and other things like that with like FCA uh, to give them a little, you know, a a fighting chance over the summer and allow athletics to hopefully change their uh, the course of their life. But it was a a really awesome event, had a great time. And of course, getting to be around some of those coaches, they're not just football coaches. I mean, they are mentors of young men and it's pretty powerful message. Yeah, guys like uh, Dabo catch a lot of flack because they're in a public position and they're just honest about what they believe in and they're not afraid to be controversial. But most coaches in that space are putting, and not just Dabo, but lots of coaches, and I'm sure you experienced this through your years of uh, football and coaching and, and anyone who's played the sport has had a coach made a big impact on their lives. 
they're shaping, they're molding, they take that job seriously. The ones who abuse the profession and get all the headlines sometimes for, for doing something bad give a bad name to everybody else. But so many athletes feel so close to their coaches, and uh, and it's great that you've been able to keep in contact with yours throughout the years and get to participate in events like that. So that's wonderful to hear. No, we were a presenting sponsor for it, and when I moved back to South Carolina, I called, I told Coach, I said, hey, Coach, I want to I wanna be a part of this. I'm done traveling around the world and doing the whole military thing, and, and so we stepped in, and, and it was the biggest event they've ever had, which was awesome. So I had uh, Coach DeBerry on one side of me, but guess who was uh, sitting on the other side of me? A guy from uh, your neck of the woods in North Carolina, uh, the former uh, North Carolina Tar Heels football coach, Larry Fedora made the trip to Charleston. He was next nice. to me. And, and you talk about, yeah, you talk about staying in touch with uh, your old coaches, which by the way, Larry's going to be on the podcast next week. He agreed to do a podcast with no me No way. Week. Is that right? Talking about some of these things. Yeah. Oh, very cool. I know my, my old connection to uh, interviewing Larry was the big difference maker in you, in you landing that interview, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, that's what I did. I told him, I said, Hey, uh, you you name dropped me, didn't you? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You know, Walter Storrell. Oh yeah. Yeah. Walter. (laughs) I was, uh, I was actually the very first person who got to interview Larry when he was hired at North Carolina. And, uh, it was pretty cool. We were at the big press conference and then they walked him right after the press conference straight to my table. And I did the first live interview with him right there in the uh, in the media room in front of everybody got to ask him a couple of questions quick interview before he went and did more you know media hits with other people but that was that's my claim to Larry Fedora fame and then sat in many press conferences but I pretty much guarantee you he if he saw me he'd have no idea who I was <laughs> well I'll make sure when I talk to him again I'll be like Walter Storholt he'll be like oh yes he changed my life oh yeah big time absolutely no doubt about what it what was what was the question the first question that you asked him since you were the first person oh I have no idea I I don't remember. I was nervous. See, I, I try to put you on the spot. I like was nervous as all get out to do it because I had just gotten out of school and was uh, the new sports director at the small radio station where I worked. But we were the flagship station for Carolina, and so I wish I could remember. But it was it was just a whirlwind. You know, when you work for a small radio station, you're a one man band, and so I yeah. I had set up the table all of the equipment you're you're worrying about connection back then especially cuz it's not as easy as it is today you have to have phone lines in place and the internet connections were never quite as uh you know good as they are these days even your cell phone worst case scenario backup plan often failed because cell coverage wasn't great in stadiums and big buildings and things like that in the middle of campus and so it was stressful enough just to be on the air make sure all the wires were plugged in, that the audio was clean from the press conference, all that other stuff, let alone then having him come over for, you know, three or four questions, that kind of thing. So I don't know what my yeah, first question was. Know, Prob- probably welcome. Pretty, <laughs> yeah. Well, wouldn't you say, I mean, Coach is a pretty uh, powerful figure too. I mean, he's definitely a motivator of men. I'd say he's one of the more motivational coaches I've been around. I might have asked him how many Red Bulls he'd had that morning. <laughs> <laughs> I think he used to be sponsored by Red Bull. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. The the guy had yeah, just I incredible think they, like, energy. Brought cases of that in for him. Like I, I remember him having cases of it sitting next to his desk, and I'm sitting here going, you know, and that was back before we really were like, this stuff is not good for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he crushed some Red Bulls like it was going out of style. 
Oh, that's too funny. Well, cool. So lots of good stuff in the personal life and then also on the, the volunteering side, raising money for charity. Great to hear those updates and that event went well for you. I know we did have uh, that interview uh, with you and Coach DeBerry uh, just a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. So that was great to hear all about those efforts and hope maybe some of our listeners got to uh, attend that, that ball and that event uh, that you had recently as well. Hey, if you're ready to have clarity and thrive in your retirement, you're in the right place. And I've got another resource for you to check out. Go to retirepilots.com and look right there on the homepage. You'll be able to click get my free toolkit. What this is going to do is help you get for free Ryan's retirement toolkit. This is going to include his two books, The Pilot's Advisor and Pilot's Retire Early, revealing the nine critical decisions when retiring and the seven lessons to save your retirement. Not only does it include the books, but lots of other goodies packed into this free toolkit that'll be sent to you ASAP. It's a great starting place for any pilot to begin their retirement journey. Go to retirepilots.com. Well, great getting caught up with you, Ryan, on all of those fronts. Let's get into our main topic of the day on today's podcast. We're talking about retirement, of course, and if you're ready or not, because either way, here it comes. If you are nearing retirement age, whatever that means to you, maybe that's 60 for some folks, maybe it's closer to 70 for others or somewhere in between, but if you're starting to near that age that's in your mind, We want to explore the pivotal question that you're going to soon face. Are you truly ready for it, or do you want or need to keep working? Um, I've watched my own parents go through these kinds of uh, thought processes over the last couple of years, Ryan, trying to figure out, okay, can I retire? Do I want to retire? Do I want to keep working? Do I want to go to the part-time transition? So it's been interesting to watch them kind of go through that assessment of if they're ready to retire and realizing that that question hits on a lot of different fronts. So we're going to see both over the couple next couple of minutes the financial and emotional aspects and considerations when it comes to finding out if you are truly ready to retire. I know that there's a lot of people, Ryan, if we're looking for a place to start here, who have kind of reached that retirement age or that horizon who say they don't want to retire. So let's start there. Do you find that this is usually because they enjoy the job that they're in, or is it more of a defense mechanism because they feel they can't retire for some financial reason? Well, it's probably different for every person out there. I feel like in the in the piloting industry, everybody talks about retiring early, retiring at 60, and then they find themselves continuing on and and not necessarily for financial reasons, but I think they do enjoy it. And uh, once you get pretty senior in our job, it, it it becomes a little bit easier. You get the good deal trips. But big news in the in the in the uh, airline industry, they're looking at moving the retirement age, the mandatory retirement age, to sixty-seven, which I guess is a good thing for people if they want to keep working. But you know, I, I'm afraid we're going to have gentlemen dying in the cockpit, you know, because it's a it's a tough job when you're uh, traveling multiple time zones. Yeah, it can be really tough. And and so then are there some misconceptions that people have about trying to find that retirement date and assess if they're ready to retire or not? Sounds like that's common maybe for any retiree, but maybe even more so for pilots because of all the different maybe rules and regulations and, and concerns just with the demands of the job. Well, I think it's much, much more complicated than people think. You know, we hit on some of those things that there's some emotional and psychological factors, maybe a little bit less so with a lot of our, our clients than financial ones. Most most of them are pretty good savers and it's a pretty good pension. However, a big factor is these pilots have been traveling half the month for the last 20 some years. And I try to talk to them all the time about slowly getting into retirement, you know, walking those throttles back, working a little bit less, 
because their spouses have their own lives two weeks out of the month and you can't just show up all of a sudden. And I, I joke around, but I say, yeah, you know, she doesn't like you that much. So you need to <laughs> tiptoe back into being home all the time. And, and I joke about that, but that's a real factor. It's a real factor because it's a transition period for everyone. You know, I don't think anybody's made to be around each other 24 seven, but if you're used to having half the month, uh, being an independent person and doing your own thing, your own schedule, and then it being totally changed for both both the 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 pilot and the spouse at home, I, I, it can be challenging. Yeah, it's true. That's one part of retirement that a lot of people uh, maybe don't think all the way through. Uh, I've heard many stories before where you start spending more time with your spouse, and you're like, whoa, 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 you're around way too often, and and need to go find new yeah. hobbies and get out of the house a little bit more. <laughs> Well, and, and that might be not be the case for a normal worker. I, I mean, I would understand if you don't travel as much, you go into work from nine to five and, you know, you're home every night. But but for the airline industry, it's totally different. I mean, when you leave for work, you're, you tend to be gone. Those that even live in domicile, I mean, you go to work and you might have a three day where you're gone, but you're, you're still in and out of the house. So it's definitely a, a different consideration for the airline industry versus a normal job. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, for those people who maybe uh, start working with you, Ryan, and they find out that they are financially able to retire comfortably, but perhaps you run into folks who lack confidence in their ability to do it. So they're, they're like, okay, I think I've got enough financially to do it, but I'm still not quite ready to pull that trigger. I still have some hesitation. Where does that lack of confidence usually come from? Well, I mean, think about it. That is a huge psychological change of self-worth and, and what you've done for the past. I mean, let's say somebody gets out of college 22 years old. I mean, you're basically working for the next 40 years. And as soon as you don't have that paycheck coming in every, you know, twice a month, it, it's psychologically scary. Um, so I think a lot of the financial education and showing clients that, hey, you can retire, everything will be okay is a lot of looking at the numbers and actually showing them how much their savings can spit out and how safe it is and what their their level of security and, and having a successful retirement is. I mean, but but like we talked about, I mean, I can show them all the numbers and all the graphs and, and if they still are, ten, you know, hesitant because of a psychological standpoint, that needs to be worked through and talked about. And that's why I think it's so important that you need to start talking about retirement and what that's going to look like years before you retire, not only with your spouse, but with your financial advisor. All good points across the board, I think, on that kind of discussion. So then on the other side of the coin, you've got people that want to retire as soon as humanly possible, but maybe by working with you, they find out, okay, we actually aren't in the financial position to do it. That leads to a different type of conversation. That's what's so funny, um, because the ones that want to retire right away are the ones that normally are not even close to being ready and actually are falling behind their peers on saving. And then you get the ones that don't want to retire, and you know they're, they could have retired five, 10 years ago. So those are hard conversations to have, but that's why I call this job tough love. Um, that's why I like working with pilots, because I don't, I don't have to be real tactful about it. I mean, I'll, I'll flat out tell them, hey, you're behind, or hey, you need to be a little bit more aggressive. Or we got some work to do before you can retire, you know, and I, I can't think of any time recently where I'm like, you know, you can't retire. But I have had some conversations here uh, recently where it's like, yeah, you know, we probably need to to go a couple more years or get in a little bit better position before we pull the plug. Because unlike anything else, I mean, once you walk away from that job, I mean, it's over. You can't just jump right back in and especially not in the airline industry where it's all seniority based. 
That's interesting to think about, and I think that's one of the kind of things that a lot of people, I think, aren't uh, aren't aware of. Maybe some of the complications in the younger parts of their working years that you know starts to play out a little bit more impactful the closer to you get to retirement age. What do your conversations usually sound like with people? Do you have a, a maybe an example or a story that you've run into before about how you helped someone navigate through what we've been talking about here, whether they were somebody who didn't have enough money to retire the way that they wanted to live their lifestyle and so needed to keep working, or maybe it's the other way around. They just needed that boost of confidence. Any particular stories come to mind? Well, not anything in particular, except I think the conversations drastically changed over the past few years, Walter. And what I mean by that is we look at inflation. I mean, historic inflation was less than 3% or around 3%. Well, that's totally changed. And another consideration is taxes. I mean, we look at what our government's doing and the overspending. I mean, just to remain solvent, taxes are going to have to go up. And it used to be an argument of, hey, do you think taxes are going to go up? And then, you know, we'd have a little bit of debate over that. And it doesn't seem to be debate at all anymore. So a lot of our conversations, regardless of someone's age, whether they're nearing retirement or they're in like their 30s or 40s, is, hey, how can we pay the government to go away? How can we get some tax never vehicles, whether that be Roth or an insurance policy or a LERP or something like that, to where we're not going to be in this relationship with the U.S. government and we find out how much of that partnership is theirs. You know, with the stroke of a pen, they can take 50%. I mean, there's nothing we could do about it. So... The narrative's really changed on controlling the conversation and controlling the money for what it's going to look like in retirement. Because I think everybody knows that they have to save, Walter. They know they have to save for retirement, but very few people really think about the distribution phase of retirement, which is much, much more complicated. And I think that that strategically tax planning for retirement is becoming a bigger and bigger factor when we look at what it's going to look like down the road. Well, Ryan, thank you for that great breakdown on being ready to retire or not coming for all of us. And so I know people are probably interested in getting help. Uh, Every pilot listening to this show is probably going to retire at some point. And so they're going to need some help getting there, maybe getting assessment of where they stand right now, looking into the future and figuring out how they can maybe change the course of their retirement plan to something that's a little bit more of what they envision. If somebody wants that help and that guidance and wants to work with you at the pilot's advisor, what is the best way to go about doing that? Well, typically the best way to start is to go to retirepilots.com and you can order our free toolkit. We'll ship this toolkit off to you. It has a couple books that I've written, some great tax planning stuff, um, lots of great valuable information, and it's all free. Pilots like free stuff. So start there, and when you do order the toolkit, you'll earn a free portfolio analysis. So after you get the toolkit, you read through the books, you look at all the valuable material. If that's something that you want to do, you can upload your statement securely at secure.pilotsadvisor.com. We'll analyze your portfolio for free and set up a Zoom call to actually go through it with you. I think it's a very, very valuable exercise. I think a lot of the pilots out there get a lot out of it. And whether you're brand new to the airlines, you've been there for 20 years, uh, fresh out of the military, we, we speak TSP and that transitions and we can help you because we do know all the benefits at all the major airlines and we can get you in a path to where you can retire and land safely uh, in retirement. So feel free to reach out. Again, that's at retirepilots.com, retirepilots.com. Best way to start the conversation with Ryan. Get that retirement toolkit at retirepilots.com and then go from there. Well, Ryan, thank you for all the help on the show today. Enjoyed it. And we'll see everybody next time right back here on the Pilots Advisor. 
information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.